Good afternoon. I was going to say morning, but I'm up to date now. It's afternoon. It's afternoon. Oh, it's great to be with you guys. It's really fun to be here. The youth are in today, aren't you? Youth are in? Youth, give me a wave. Where are you? Hello, hello. I promise to try and remember you over there in the corner. (laughs) If you've got your Bibles with you or some sort of Bible device, let's go to the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. I'm going to be talking this morning. Um, I was in Withenshaw this morning, which is really cool. Go visit Withenshaw, which is also not that far away, actually. Like, you come up on the, and it's like, oh, you're just, yeah, very close. That's good. It's good, just in case. Uh, yeah, you could also visit Withenshaw and make it back here just about on time. If I was thinking of visiting Withenshaw, but it's, it's really good. And um, what I wanted to share this morning was, a challenge, but also an encouragement. So is anyone up for a challenge? Yeah, you're up for it. See, that's my pre-warning now. You can't come up to me afterwards and say, because you've accepted the challenge. But yeah, just a, um, something that's really on my heart, and you know, we'll see how it goes. But an encouragement as well as a challenge in just stirring us up to be all that God has called us to be and to step into the fullness of all that God has got for us. And um, It's amazing that Jesus has made so much available and we can walk into that and experience fullness of life and fullness together as his people as we grow together and just read his word and hear what he has to say to us. And so in Ephesians, we hear Paul talking about just the, I mean, you've probably heard this a number of times, we can't stop talking about the gospel. The cosmic scope of what Jesus accomplished through his life, his death, his resurrection, his ascension, and him coming back again one day, and just what that did, and how big it was, and how wonderful God's plan since the beginning and before the beginning of time has been. And so we read from verse 3, Blessed be God... Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. And then if we skip down to chapter 2 from verse 19, it says, Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together together 
and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling place in which God lives by his spirit. In him, you too, long sight, are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. This is amazing, the amazing scope of what Jesus accomplished. And sometimes I was really blessed in the time of worship this morning and just reminded of the fact that we are all living stones and his presence dwells in and amongst us. And even if we don't feel it sometimes, I know times, sometimes I wake up in the morning and I go out knowing I carry the presence of God, but I don't necessarily feel any different. And I'm sort of waiting for this wow moment when I'm sure God is with me. But he's always with me. He is always with us. And we are being built up together to carry his presence. Isn't that amazing? That because of what Jesus did, us gathering here together, the presence of God is here. Where two or three are in his midst, he dwells in and amongst us. And his plan was always to do that through a family. His plan was always to fill the entire earth with his glory through his family. He's the fullness of God who fills all things in every way. And through us, through the church, he fills the world with his presence. And so when we came to Christ, um, it, came, it comes with the package. It wasn't like an optional add-on. It's like you, you are saved into a family. Family comes with it. I wasn't saved in isolation. I wasn't saved to run around by myself. I was saved into a family. It wasn't an optional thing. But that's because that's who God is. He's a God who dwells in community and a God of family. He reconciled Jews and Gentiles by breaking down that wall of hostility so that he could have one new man built together to be a dwelling place for his spirit. It's absolutely supernatural that now, you know, my blood and Amelia's blood is the same because we have the blood of Jesus flowing through our veins. We are sisters because of, his, because of what Jesus has done. Because of what he's done, I can go to another side of the world and find my brothers and sisters. But it's absolutely supernatural. It doesn't, it's, it's not natural at all. But this is what Jesus has accomplished. And this was his plan all along. So because the truth is we are now family, that's who we are. It's a done deal. Jesus did it. He made it all possible. He calls us to live in light of that reality. So you know you can't pick your brothers and sisters as much as I'm sure some of us would like to trade them back for a better one. Um, (laughs) But, you know, I still have a choice whether or not how I live things out with my brother and my sisters. If I don't talk to my sister, she's still my sister. But actually, to, to enjoy the fullness of family life, I need to walk it out. I actually need to behave like we are related. And so in chapter four... In Ephesians, Paul says this, almost knowing that sometimes we can have a tendency, I guess, to be a bit selfish or stuck in our ways. As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received, to be completely humble and gentle, be patient, bearing with one another in love, make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Another scripture says, 
where it says to keep the unity of the faith. Another version says to maintain the unity. So you've been united in Christ, but now I need you to walk it out and maintain the unity. Now, I don't know about you, but have you ever tried to maintain something by not doing anything to it? I'll give you an example. I always talk about our garden. It's a state at the moment, but bear with me. Um, So have you ever tried to maintain your garden by not doing anything to it? Just like, there's my garden. We're going to maintain it and just not do anything. Has it worked at work? Anyone tried it? Well, we've tried it. If your aim was to have like a really overgrown, unkempt garden, then well done. You've done. You've accomplished it. But, But obviously, you know, the grass grows and now we've got like a blanket of it's really lush and green but it really shouldn't be that long it's like a blanket and things get lost in there it's quite funny actually like trying to find stuff that's lost in the grass but we don't maintain the garden by just sitting down and and, and letting it be you ever been for a haircut or got a new hairdo I remember as a kid sometimes my hair would get done really nicely and I'd go to bed and kind of sleep with my head hanging off because I didn't want to put it on the pillow because I didn't want it to like get messed up but that doesn't work so you know if you get a haircut or you do something it doesn't stay that way it goes back so you have to keep on top of it to maintain it maintenance takes effort even in our relationships I mean if you have a friend who moves to a different city for instance You can't just not do anything about it because otherwise your friendship is just going to slowly, slowly, you know, um, move in that direction. I once heard Danny Silk say, if we're not intentionally pursuing connection, you're inevitably pursuing disconnection. Because relationships, by not doing anything, are not maintained. They're either growing closer or they're growing further apart. And it takes some effort on our part. The only thing I can think of that doesn't require anything to be maintained is inertia. Does anyone know what inertia is? Any physics students? So inertia is a physics concept which says if something is in a particular state, it won't change unless an external force is applied. So say, for example, this thing standing here, it won't change unless I apply a force. If something is moving in space, it won't change its trajectory unless another force is applied or enters into an orbit or whatever it is. That is the only thing that is maintained without any effort. Everything else, in order to be maintained, takes something on our part. And so Paul is encouraging us to say, maintain the unity. This is the truth of who you are. I need you to do something in order to walk it out. Otherwise, the, 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 the fullness of it doesn't just happen on its own. And then in that is why he says... Be patient, bear with one another, love one another, because it takes all these things to maintain the unity. One thing I try to maintain, (laughs) sometimes better than others, is going to the gym. Yes, let's go to the gym. And there's a specific class I really love to do. It's called Body Pump. This is Body Pump. Hopefully, you will see it in a second. There's like people lifting weights. They look very intense and serious. No, it's not there. Oh, no. (laughs) No, that's the unedited one. It's okay. Don't worry. Basically, in body pump, you you, you lift weights to like really funky music and you're like going really crazy and it's really cool. And um, what happens is you have, I go for a class or two every week. And if I miss a class, what happens is I don't just miss a class, my muscle mass starts to wane. 
So by not going, my muscles don't just kind of, this is so funny, my muscles don't just stay the way they are, the muscle mass decreases. So in order to maintain my muscle mass, I have to keep going to body pump. And if I miss a week, it's a lot easier to miss the other week. And then the next time I go, it's really, really hard. And so but one of the things I try to do is maintain my muscle mass by going to this class. It doesn't happen by not doing anything. Now, because I know it's important to maintain my muscle mass, and it's, an, and it's, it's a priority for me, she says, I haven't been this week, Lord, forgive me. But I work backwards in my schedule. So if I have a class on Wednesday morning, I know that I will need to wake up on time, first of all, and I need to have a smoothie because I need energy to go, and if I eat food, I feel sick. So in order to go for body pump on Wednesday morning, I had to have made my smoothie on Tuesday night, which means I had to have bought the ingredients at least by Monday, and that happens. If I wait till, till Wednesday morning to say I really need to go to body pump, it doesn't happen because I don't have everything ready. I'm not in the right frame of mind. And so I always work backwards if I'm going to be successful at maintaining that rhythm. And it got me thinking, how much do I work backwards when it comes to gathering with the Lord's people? How much do I think, for instance, I have Connect on Tuesday and we're doing the Talking Jesus course. So if I'm going to show up and I'm going to contribute, I'm going to have a good time, I need to be in the right frame of mind. So I probably need to have done whatever homework I need to have done by Monday. And maybe on Sunday, I need to do my shopping earlier so I've got a bit more time just to prepare in the evening. But you see what I mean? Because if I wait till Tuesday afternoon and I haven't quite prepared myself, it's so much easier to then say, actually, I don't think I'm, go. I'm not quite in the mood anymore. Because going to the gym for me is such a priority, I work backwards. And I was really challenged to think how much in the, one of the main ways we maintain unity as God's people is to be together. I know the, the, the day is, is so, like we were saying, technology is, like, is great. But one thing that comes with technology is this disembodiment of I can relate to you without being there incarnationally. And um, one of the main ways we maintain unity is by physically being together. It's just being in the same room with one another, talking to one another, rubbing up on each other, and just, just having time where we are physically together in the same space. And so working backwards um, to that is a real challenge in how we prioritize it. So much so in the letter to the Hebrews, it says in chapter 10, and verse 24, let us consider how to stir one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Now, this is very, very different to a, I can't make something every so often because I either have to work or I have responsibilities to family or I have children or whatever it is. This, Paul was not referring to one-off occasions. He was referring to a habit that had developed. So a habit of, of doing something and it's, it becomes repetitive. And a lot of times when we develop not-so-good habits, it's because of not-so-good thinking. Habits don't develop in a day. They don't develop in an instant. And every single thing we do, we think about. Now, even every single word I say, before it's come out of my mouth, I've thought about it. It just happens very, very quickly. And a lot of things we do, 
We've thought about them over and over and over again. So we don't have to think about them consciously, but they happen subconsciously. Hence, autopilot. We wake up in the morning, we brush our teeth. We, do, we don't have to think much about it, but we have thought about it. And we develop patterns of thinking sometimes, which then end up in a habitual, not prioritizing being together. And it depends on what we're thinking, what we're feeding ourselves with, the, the minds that we have. Which is why in Romans it says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And it always starts with our perception and what we think towards something before we actually outwork and do it. And so two mindsets which I wanted to just point out in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and from verse 12. That we sometimes may develop knowingly or unknowingly. It says from verse 12, just as a body... Though one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slaves or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but many. Now, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body. It would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. While our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked. So that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. You know, I think when we, when we think about the cross and we think about Jesus dying, and yes, when he was on the cross, he was thinking of every single one of us, but the Bible teaches us that he purchased the church with his blood. And so he was thinking of each one of us, but he was also thinking about the body, about each one of us coming together in unity. And that's why he died. So this could be possible. And so sometimes we do allow ourselves to fall into the either I'm not needed. If I don't show up, it doesn't make a difference. Or I don't need anyone. I can do this thing all by myself. And those mindsets can creep in and they cause division in the body because they stop us from being together. I remember when I was a teenager, I decided to join the stewarding team. We were meeting in King's House and we had two meetings back to back in the morning. So it was a really big stewarding team. It was like a slick operation. Back then, I still know every single exit just about in that building, but it was very, very good training. And... And so I signed up to serve because I wanted to get involved and I wanted to play my part. And then I don't know what happened, but for some reason, 
No one called me on my day when it was my turn to serve. So I'd show up to church and my team would be served. So I'd show up at half 11, half 11, and my team would be serving. I'm like, oh, okay then, never mind. So then I went upstairs. And then a few weeks later, I'd show up early, but then it wasn't my team. I'm like, oh, all right, never mind. And so I began to think, they don't need me. Like, it doesn't make a difference if I show up or not because they're just getting on with it. And I allowed that to fester, and then I stopped serving. And I didn't bother to speak to anybody because I just assumed that, you know, I am quite small, and so I just thought maybe they just didn't see me, and it happens sometimes, you know. I know. God has healed me, though. I'm okay. (laughs) But it's true. I began to think it doesn't make a difference if I show up or I don't. So I stopped showing up. And then after a few months, I got sick of not doing anything because I love God and I wanted to do something in his house. So I would pick up papers. I was like, I don't need a stewarding team. I'll just pick up papers by myself. It's okay. So I did that for a while. Then I went off to university. And then I came back after university. And after coming back from university, I thought I had the whole, this is my church, not just my parents' church. This is my church. This is where I believe God's called me to be. So this time, I'm going to steward whether they like it or not. I'm going to join a team. I'm going to show up every single Sunday. No one can tell me otherwise. I'm going to play my part. And this time it was very different because then I was on a team and I ended up leading a team with Dami. And then we got married. So if you want to get married, join the stewarding team. Speak to Donald. It works. It's true. (laughs) But I I had to take responsibility and I had to realize those mindsets because actually in hindsight, it probably was just a digit missing from my mobile number or something really silly. I don't think anyone intentionally was like, no, we don't, we really don't want you to serve Lakundo. You're just, no, no. But I had to think, actually, this is where I belong and I know I'm needed. Ants know this very well. Ants work together. They, in their minds, somehow... They know they don't exist alone. They know they exist in community. And so they know that if they're like carrying, I know, you know, a piece of food that's how much bigger than them, they know that they need everybody to play their part. And no one goes away thinking, oh, they don't need me really. So actually, no, they do. And they all play their part. And the other end of the spectrum is thinking, well, I don't need anyone. I'm just going <laughs> to... Oh, wow. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> the other end of the spectrum is thinking, I'm just going to do this on my own. I'm going to change the world, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that. But if we were all hands, just running around hands everywhere, there's only so much a hand can do on its own. And anyway, if it's not attached to the body, it doesn't really work. So everything we're called to do, our identity and our purpose, is wrapped up in the fact that we are one body everything. And when these lies begin to sink in and we begin to believe them, um, we begin to act otherwise. But actually, the truth is that you are needed. Just turn to the person next to you and say, you are needed here. And then turn to them and say, I am needed here. Because that's the truth. It's true. You need to know it. That very scripture in the message in translation says, for no matter how significant you are, it's only because of what you're part of. An enormous eye or a gigantic hand wouldn't be a body, but a monster. 
What we have is one body with many parts, each its proper size and its proper place. No part is important on its own. Our significance comes because of the body we belong to. We are each members of one another, almost an extension of one another. It's more than just a, a chains that attach and detach. We are joined supernaturally by the blood of Jesus. And therefore, we, our significance comes because of the body we belong to. And we can't run around on our own trying to change things. But together, we can do anything. I used to play basketball when I was in uni for my first two years. I played for my, my, my um, university team. And as a team, we had a goal to win games. We didn't always win the games, but we had a lot of fun. It was great. It was good times. And so we all gathered around this common goal, and we had this big picture. So it didn't matter where you were from or how tall you were. I played point guard, and the point guard's usually the shortest person on the team. But my coach was shorter than me by like an inch. So, yes. Um, but we had a goal, and our goal was to win games. So that was the focus. And so if I didn't show up for practice, they would let me know. Because we were a team. We were a unit. So I couldn't just, oh, I don't feel like I'm not going to show up. But where were you? We need you. We can't do this without you. And I knew that, and they knew that. I needed them. They needed me. Because we moved as a unit we weren't five individuals on a court. No one wins games like that. It's very, it's very disorganized. I'm not going to mention any football teams at this moment. But <laughs> we were one unit, and we could rely on one another, and we were able to tell each other, I need you. Even if you were injured, as long as you could hobble on to the coach and get to the game, you would sit on the bench, and you would cheer the team on. You were still involved, regardless of what happened. And so there was, there was real place for, for, for unity, for intimacy, and for challenge. There was a place. If I missed a really easy layup, we were all running. It wasn't just me running. My coach was, you're all running. So if one of us failed, we all failed. If one of us succeeded, we all succeeded. And we grew to know what it was to unite together around a common goal and a common purpose. And because we had this big goal... Small things like, I don't know, the color of our uniform or what food we were going to eat after the game. It didn't really matter because we were together and there was a bigger picture. Our goal as the body of Christ, as this big team across the world, is to see the gospel cover the earth as the glory of God covers the earth and waters cover the sea. Our big aim is the gospel. Our mission is the gospel. And we gather around the gospel just like Paul says in Ephesians, this is the big plan of what Jesus accomplished by his death and resurrection. When you remember the plan, you will remember the fact that the only way we're going to do this is together. And then you will come together, you will bear with one another, and you will maintain the unity. We maintain the unity for the sake of the gospel. And when we, rem when we remember the big picture of the gospel... Our small preferences and the things we tend to disagree on don't matter as much anymore because there is a much bigger picture what we, of what we unite around. Preferences and, and times and, and little things we squabble on. And it's usually when, the, when it gets really tough and when things you hit, like say a war broke out right now, that's when you sort of remember what's really important and everything else that's not kind of falls away. The gospel is what is important. 
And it's the gospel is what we unite around. The gospel is why we each play our part. The gospel is why we prioritize coming together and being together because we are called to see his kingdom come and his will be done here on this earth. You know, when we think about living radical Christian lives, I don't know about you, but the first thing that comes to my mind is going to a different country or, I don't know, preaching on the streets or just running around laying hands on people, which are all really great things, all really great things. But sometimes we think living courageously, you usually think of yourself, like just me doing something really bold and brave. But actually, I think radical living also looks like really prioritizing being together. Radical Christian living in a time where we are really busy. Time is like the most precious commodity and time and energy is limited. But to live radically, to say, actually, I'm going to be responsible and steward my time well, work backwards if I need to, so that I can radically live out this Christian life with my brothers and sisters. I'm going to radically change my schedule so I can make connect at Huguette's house and I can have lovely food with my brethren. I'm going to radically live this out by, by doing things maybe just being a bit more strategic with my life. It doesn't always require traveling to China to go to an underground church to live radically, even though that's really good. But we can live radical Christian lives by focusing and prioritizing being together for the sake of the gospel. When you don't show up, it's felt. Because you are needed and we need you. We are one body and each, but each member has a gift to bring and has a part to play. And so let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the day more as you see the day drawing near. Amen. 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 Let's pray together. Father, we thank you that all things come from you and that your grace is sufficient for us, God, as we've heard today. Father, we thank you for, for what you've done in, in dying for us on the cross, Jesus, and, and shedding your blood so that we could be one, so that we could be born again into your family, so that we could have eternal life, and so we could live life to the fullness, so we can be a part in your great plan of restoring everything to yourself, of uniting all things in heaven and on earth to yourself, God. And I thank you that we get to do that as family, that you haven't called us to do that as individuals, but you've called us to do it as a unit. And so, God, I pray that you would help us in our mindset to begin to think of ourselves as a unit, to begin to think of ourselves as one, as no part indispensable, Jesus. But, God, that you give us the grace to prioritize, that you'd give us the strength where we need to make changes, God, and that you'd also just help us because there's so many different situations that we're in, oh God, and there are times when we can't make things, and there are times when schedules are just crazy. But God, even in the midst of that, I pray that the, the bond of fellowship would be so strong, would be so, so strong that no one ever feels less apart if they're not there. 
But Father, that we would continue to draw one another in and that we would continue to spur one another on to good works, God, that we would spur one another on to be together, Jesus. And I pray that as we as we intentionally come together in unity, there you command a blessing. There you command the anointing, God. And there, God, you will bring to life so much more, Jesus, than we've ever seen. And we thank you that that is your will, that that is your plan and your purpose. So Holy Spirit, help us. We know we can't do it in our own strength, God. Help us where we need help and help us to help one another. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.